Hey there, all you werewolves out there. It's time for another episode of the show. This time, got my buddy Al Sedano back, and we're talking about two more issues of Werewolf by Night. We have a real good time with this one, and really have a <laughs> fun time and bring up some funny stuff uh, that happens in the comics. So definitely uh, stay tuned after the break, and we'll be right back with those two issues. Did you hear a wolf? It was Wolfie, howling for the two new marshmallows in my Count Chocula series. The Dowsley chocolate Department is complete breakfast. Two new marshmallows? Yes, the new full moon and chocolate wolf marshmallows make Count Chocula a howling delight. For a limited time, you can try the full moon and chocolate wolf marshmallows inside new shiny boxes of Count Chocula. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Bronze Age of Horror Comics. And my partner and I are here to bark at the moon. No, wait, no. <laughs> We're here to talk about Werewolf by Night. Ozzy's so, here? Uh, what? <laughs> I have a bat that you can buy here, Al. <laughs> oh, I can use a snack. <laughs> so, yeah, Werewolf by Night. I'm here with uh, Al Sedano from uh, Adam Warlock and the Thanos podcast. How are you, man? Oh, excellent. I accidentally hit Paul. I accidentally hit Butte. <laughs> That's how I am. <laughs> Uh, awesome. <laughs> you're, 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 you're Mike shy. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So you and I have been uh, getting through the Werewolf by Night series here and we're starting to, uh, you know, get into, we're still in the, you know, the Plug era here. And we just uh, wrapped up in our previous recording about the uh, two crazy issues where you had these wild brothers. One was like a gruff, rough, big game hunter kind of guy that jack had to do battle with and then yeah, the uh, craven had... wannabe <laughs> yeah basically yeah craven's uh the dollar store craven i guess we'll call him and then uh we he had to deal with his brother who was this uh you know uh mustache twirling cigarette holder kind of uh smoking jacket wearing guy that just ended up having a heart attack and dying <laughs> yeah that's right they wanted him to kill the uh old man and the uh yeah some older guy the mother mm-hmm. of this person who was had gone senile. Yeah, yeah, it was that was a those two pretty wild stories there back to back, and uh, have no fear; these ones, uh, these next two are gonna be pretty crazy too, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're gonna start off with uh, Werewolf by Night number six, and this is a uh, cover dated June nineteen seventy three. And again, like I said, uh, we're still in the Plug era here, so cover by Mike Plug. So, uh, why don't you describe this cover here and what your thoughts are? Uh, we got our titular werewolf in a cage, and we have people lined up to see him, you know, for 50 cents only. Wow. Bargain. I mean, that's, yeah, that's cheap. <laughs> but yeah, he's a, he is trapped in the carny circuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, uh, a gentleman here in front of the cage with a turban on and a monocle. Uh, which is a little bit of a weird combo, but okay. And uh, he is exclaiming, step right up, ladies and gentlemen, a mere 50 cents to see the one and only werewolf in captivity. And then there's a little, uh, uh, almost like a, a caption. Poster. Yeah, it's, a, it's almost like a caption box, but it's like a poster. It says, Carnival of Fear, perhaps the most fearful man into wolf epic ever told. Okay, until next issue, then that's the biggest epic ever told, right? Exactly, and then <laughs> nine, and then ten. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it never stops. It just the next one is always the biggest and best thing that ever happened, right? <laughs> yeah, but you see, that's how you know the guy in the cover is a bad guy. He has a monocle. Mm-hmm. Only bad yeah. guys have monocles. 
Yeah, I, I just for some reason in the back of my head, I always associate monocles with uh, uh, Nazis, like Nazi commander types. But uh, this guy is definitely not that. No, <laughs> but it's still. Yeah, you're still under heading of bad guy. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then if you have a, a cigarette holder, you know, puffing on a cigarette, then there's there's something a little fishy about you, too. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're either, you're either like Sydney Green Street or, you know, you're a femme fatale. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, all right, well, let's, uh, we'll dive into this one. So this is a Carnival of Fear. Uh, script, Len Wein. Uh, pencils, Mike Plug. Inks, Frank Boley. Uh, colors, Glennis Oliver. And letters, John Costanza. And uh, just on the Grand Comics database here, it says, uh, Jack is captured by Swami Riva and exhibited as the wild man of Borneo in a traveling circus. And... <laughs> That's pretty much what happens, but we're going to dive a little deeper into this here. And why don't we start with the splash page here, which is absolutely phenomenal by Plug, right? Oh, yeah. No, this is beautiful with the, the Swami holding like a crystal ball up or something. Yeah, crystal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crystal ball showing the werewolf inside of it. And he's like, see there, in my time spanning, Mr. Crystal, we have found the one we seek. Mm, yeah great artwork and then his like the detail on his hands and fingers and these rings he's wearing yeah really great stuff by plug yeah no plug is perfect for these two issues especially because he draws people like he can really draw people that are with a bit of an exaggeration and since you're Mm -hmm. doing a story taking place in a carnival it definitely works Mm-hmm. yeah and then <laughs> i like how you go to the next page and the crystal ball is still there and it has a a shot of this uh, seedy neighborhood here and it's a uh, a picture that shows the lame duck in uh motel <laughs> yeah, no, i like how he uses the crystal ball to do this the segue into the flashback mm-hmm. so you know we start the swami talking about the you know this is who we're looking for the werewolf and then the jack monologue basically you know the jack voiceover brings you know turns it to his uh flashback so that's pretty cool yeah pretty cinematic yeah oh yeah yeah you're right absolutely it very much so is and then i like i how plug draws like you know uh the the these like mooks or these 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 tough guy types they look really great and there's two of them there and the one says hey charlie you see what i see and the other guy has a cigar and he goes yeah mac could be trouble (laughs) yeah i love it yeah, so apparently it's a whole, it's a truck stop, and the werewolves kind of wandering around, and the truckers apparently have had, I don't know if this is something that's going to come up or not, or if it's just to give them a reason to go after them, but they're saying, uh, hey, you guys, looks like we got an uninvited company. Somebody's out back messing with our rigs, like maybe one of them cargo hijackers we was warned about. <laughs> so, you know, like, I'm just wondering, like, is something with cargo hijackers going to come up in the next few issues? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if that was something that was just in the in the zeitgeist there. The, the old 1970s truckers, obviously. There was a bunch of trucker movies towards the latter end in the 70s, I remember. But yeah, yeah maybe that was a it was a big a, a truck hijacking it's, thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a truck hijacking performed by satanic biker gangs. <laughs> Let's just make yeah. this all full 70s. Let's just go all out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not sure if there was a, an epidemic of uh, werewolves uh, pillaging truckers back in the 70s, but. And this issue there apparently might be, right? And he's like, okay, punk, hold it right there. We want to talk to you. And, of course, they go running at him, and he turns around and, like, snarls at them. Wow, uh, really great detail on that shot of the werewolf close up there, right? Oh, yeah, that that last panel, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the full-page spread. And I love how the werewolf was like, nah, don't want to fight. I'm out. <laughs> he just leaves. Yeah. 
Yeah, he just takes off. And these guys, I don't know if they didn't get a good look at him or whatever, but I'm thinking to myself, there's there's sufficient lighting there to kind of see what's going on. And I'm thinking, I don't care if I have a two-by-four and two buddies with me. I, I'm not going to chase him down, but they do, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming it's one of those things like in the movies where like it's supposed to be pitch dark, but if it's pitch dark, you're not going to see anything. So you can see. So you're sitting there going, I can see everybody. It's not that dark. Why can't you see the person next to you? Mm-hmm. So yes. I wonder if it's done for the effect. I wonder if it's supposed to be the effect of us that you know they can they can't see it, but you know it's lit up for us, like yeah. a play, almost like um, a play. You know they're they're ignoring the fact that there's an audience there. Yeah, that's just like it's just trying to keep up the illusion. <laughs> but, Even though the wolf slashes at one of them. Yeah, he uh, this guy takes a swings at him with a two by four and he like slashes at this guy and you don't see any blood. I, I don't know. I think they were a little uh, uh, trying to stay away from that. You know, they had just kind of in the last couple of years gotten to the oh, hey, now we can do monsters and stuff like that without the comics code breathing on our neck. So I guess they're probably a little cautious about using blood. But yeah, he slashes at that one guy and he hurts him pretty bad. And then they yeah. chase him down and there's a big brawl and he slashes at a couple more of them. Yeah, I mean. The fact is they use the clothing to good effect to show him actually doing something because he's you know ripping right through their clothes. So you, you can assume that they're being ripped apart. Mm-hmm. And so one of them gets a lucky hit on his head with a splang with a wrench. <laughs> <laughs> and I like it. We're, we're through being nice guys. <laughs> okay, so Buster. Nice is two by four. <laughs> Not nice as a wrench. <laughs> exactly. Now, see, now you know proper etiquette. Yeah, and that's a great sound effect, by the way, for a wrench hitting a skull. Splang. What? <laughs> and well, yeah, it's I also guess, it's fur, all the fur up there. Yeah, and I guess at this point it is, you know, like the lighting probably is just so we can clearly see what's going on because these guys act like they're none the wiser. And this guy, after he hits her with the wrench, grabs him by the top of his head and he's ready to clobber him again. And he says... Uh, about time somebody taught one of you long-haired freaks a lesson. So I guess he thinks he's just some, you know, unshaven hippie. Yeah, and actually the that pa- the page with the splang, if you look at the second panel, it says, the alley was littered with shadows, too dark for the enraged mob to see what they had captured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it so, is just too dark. Yeah, it is supposed to be dark. I mean, that's almost there intentionally to tell us, yeah, it's supposed to be dark here. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because we need but- to be told that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then of course we have the you know the reveal panel which could get annoying but at least they don't say the line of it's not a mask yeah but it's just so so much fun that panel especially when they do it where there's coloring fully in the background and the character and the you know the guy grabbing in the werewolf and the panel before it mm-hmm. and then when he gets a look at it only the werewolf is colored he's like in this almost like blue shadow and it's just a black background yeah it's yeah. just so like uh... <laughs> yeah the guy completely loses all his balls when yeah. he sees it's a werewolf it's fantastic i i love that that one panel on that page it makes the whole page yeah, and all of a sudden everyone's like uh um this was all a mistake yeah we thought you were someone else yeah that's awesome and of course then now they're all like crapping their pants and want to get away and then we uh switch back to the swami again he's got his uh crystal ball there and he's uh watching all this unfold i guess right yeah he's watching the werewolf and monitoring him or something because we don't know yet what's going on 
Yep. And then yep. we see him in the carnival. Yep. Like, yeah, he's definitely, yeah, he's definitely uh, keeping an eye on him because he wants him as his main attraction, but he also wants him for something else that we'll, we'll get into then as well. But I do like that page where the Swami starts uh, slapping around his uh, minion here, some guy that looks like he's almost dressed up like half cowboy, half spaceman. I'm not sure about that costume. Do you know what that, the first thing I thought of when you could actually see the costume, realize what the costume is with the lightning bolt? It looks like he's cosplaying Miracle Man. <laughs> yeah. Or Young Miracle Man. <laughs> one of the, whichever one has red on him. I forget which. Yeah. Marvel Man, Miracle Man, one of those mans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's a weird costume for a circus guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's the Lion Tamer, too. So I'm not sure how that would work. I mean, you would think the Lion Tamer would want something much more. Like, again, I mean, not everyone has to be like him, but, Cra you know, if you saw someone dressed like Craven as a lion tamer, that fits. Yes. Yeah, a little more jungle kind of attire, not cowboy attire. Yeah, this is a little weird. Yeah, I do think, though, I wanted to ask you. So at the bottom of this page uh, where the Swami, you know, he has this little trunk and he pulls something out of it. It says, we have waited long, little one, too long. It's time the bloodstone was put to its proper use. So was this one of the fragments from like Ulysses bloodstone, that bloodstone? As far as I can see, because I was looking that up, I don't think so. I think it's just a different something else called a bloodstone, but it has no relation to Ulysses bloodstone. OK, because I was wondering about that because I know I haven't read them in a long time, but I think it's one of those Marvel like anthology kind of type magazines in the 70s that had two issues where you know, it focused on Bloodstone and said about, you know, his origin and the Bloodstone's origin and stuff like that, that there were more pieces of it, you know. Uh, yeah. On, for, on, yeah. Well, for one thing, because where I'm looking at, like, the Marvel.fandom, mm -hmm. usually things like that you can click on, you know, to yeah. see more about it. And there's nothing about this Bloodstone that allows you to click on it. It's usually even written here in two two words, Blood and Stone. Mm, yeah. So maybe it's just a one off, I guess. Yeah, as far as I know right now, it just is. I mean, unless something tells us otherwise, but as far as I can see, it has no relation to Ulysses or Elsa. Yeah, and I think that didn't come along for another couple of years, I think, uh, Ulysses Bloodstone, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was like 75, maybe 76, somewhere where that issue came out that he was in. So this probably is just, you know, something Len Wein concocted here, and uh, it really doesn't have anything to do with that, which kind of sucks, because I wish it did, because I like that. Whole... That, that would have been cool. Yeah, yeah. I really, I like that character, and uh, I like that whole uh, mythology about that uh, bloodstone and all that jazz. It's pretty cool. So, yep, they've uh, got the bloodstone here, and he says, uh, we're closing in this town early. I want to be in Los Angeles before the next full moon. So they're packing up of whatever town they're in to get closer to L.A. because that's where he knows uh, Jack is, right? Yeah, that's where Jack is because Jack's in L.A., and that's where we see... Um... Although it's weird because they didn't say San Diego or is San Diego named the freeway because I don't know California that well. Yeah, it's I just know there's a there's a sign here where they're driving and it says Los Angeles city limits. And that's what uh, that's when we see Buck and Lisa and uh, and Jack yeah. here in the car. So, but, yeah, yeah the caption says waiting for traffic on the San Diego freeway with something else entirely. 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming there's some kind of freeway that connects the two, or else that's just a, a faux pas here by our creative team. <laughs> exactly. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that area either. I know there's some big, crazy coastal highway out there that you can drive up, and uh, it gets in, insanely busy and crazy. But, yeah, it's it's funny. This car scene with the three of them, Buck says, uh, now, seriously, lad, we plan to spend today relaxing. Seems to me getting impatient is defeating our purpose. And Lisa says, Buck's right, Jack. Cool down. And he goes, sorry, sis. Guess it does seem stupid to be in such a rush when we don't even know where we're going. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So they got in a car and just said, let's just drive and cool off and have a relaxing day in traffic on a giant highway. What? Well, you know, it's one of those places like, let's go for a ride. And it's like, oh, yeah, we forgot. This is where we <laughs> live. You don't go for a ride. Uh, but real quick, I looked up real quick. So Ulysses Bloodstone technically has two appearances. He has Strange Tales number 73 from October 59 as Frank. But I'm assuming that's kind of like a retcon, like the like probably the living, like uh, yeah. Simon Garth, the zombie where they yep. repurposed an old character and said that's him. Yeah. But as Ulysses Bloodstone, his first appearance is Marvel Presents number one, oh, July 75. OK, so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's Marvel Presents 1 and 2, I think, have a continuing story with him. But I think he dies in the second one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, and then he's know. also in uh, some of the... He's in these backup stories in, I think it was whatever the name of the black and white magazine was that the Hulk was in. I can't remember what the name oh, of the Red magazine. Hulk? Yeah, he was in a couple of those issues in these backups, too. But I'm pretty sure I think he died in that second issue. And I was just like, what the heck? What do you mean he's dead already? Like, this is such a cool character. <laughs> I was like, man, why'd they kill this guy? But it's wild. Yeah, I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm pretty sure I have both of them. And like I said, I think they kill him off. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, what maybe, are you doing? But yeah, it says for issue two, the Bloatsome Saga is continued in the pages of Rampaging Hulk. Oh, yeah, there you go. So maybe he didn't get killed in the second one, but he does in the, the magazine. Because I did get a couple of those magazines. I don't have a lot of those. Um, but I have a couple of them, the early ones. And then I have uh, a trade that actually has, like, the latter half in one of the uh, Marvel Essentials. And uh, it, I'll be honest, it doesn't look great in black and white. Um, some of the artists towards the end of it, I think it changed over to color. But then they put it in this black and white essential, and it's not the greatest. Oh, it's not for, terrible yeah, for Hulk. Yeah, I have that one somewhere. Yeah, it's not terrible or anything, but it's 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 not great. Like those early issues of the magazine that were all black and white, they had some really great artists that their work translated well to black and white. And it, the later issues is just not as good. I don't know what the deal is, but yeah, whatever. So all right, dude, side got sidetracked there. Let's uh, <laughs> so well, it pertains to the bloodstone in here, so it, it's a question. <laughs> That's you know, true. Like if, they, like if they called something a soul gem, we'd be like, well, wait, is that is that one of the infinity gems? Hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to at least dive into it, right? <laughs> yeah, we got to check. So but as they're yeah. driving, and they, they come upon a sign that says Calliope's Carnival and Circus, the greatest combined uh, show on Earth, wild animals, and it says limited engagements. Like, man, these carnies have some pretty good signs. Yeah, yeah, they, they spend most of their money on the signs, it looks like. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, hey... This sounds cool. Let's go. And um, it's like, okay, cool. So they go into this circus, and <laughs> Jack says, you know, Lisa, I never told you this, but there was a time I wanted to join, to run away and join the circus. The smell of grease paint, the roar of the crowd, the gypsy life. <laughs> Come on, let's take in the sideshow. And I was like, eh, those descriptors really wouldn't get me to run right out and join the uh, circus, pal. No, but the thing that gets me is the Carnival Barker 
Maybe that's just traditional Barker garb. I don't know. But the first thing I'm looking at that, I'm going, isn't that what they had Stan Lee wear and like those minus one issues like in the late 90s, early 2000s? <laughs> he was maybe a, he, he appeared in a few of them, I think. I was wondering if this was like, you know, them trying to like kind of be like, yeah, that's Stan, but not tell him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it kind of looks like him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> but I think they had him dressed up like that. At least in one or two of those negative one issues, he like appears as like a narrator, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it could be. Yeah. It's that's, I remember those, uh, some images from those. And yeah, that's, I remember he did kind of look like a carnival barker, which is kind of funny. It's kind of like a dig at Stan, I feel, isn't it? <laughs> it depends how you're looking at it. <laughs> I mean, are you viewing him as like a huckster, like, you know, scam artist? Then yes. Are you viewing him as the person who's basically what the Barker's supposed to be getting everyone's attention to go see what's there. I mean, that's one of the things that helped build Marvel was Stan basically doing the things to make people pay attention. Good sales pitching. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is great because the Barker hurry, 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 step right up for the most phantasmagorical exhibition on the face of the earth. And we see, it looks like there's a rather big lady behind him. And it looks like an ape or a Sasquatch or something. So I don't know if those are just. Um, I think that's it, supposed to be the character Elmo. <laughs> so now when I look at it, though, because you come to the next page, he's on his left with some really skinny guy and a contortionist. Oh, and the big true. lady's still yeah. on the right there. So I'm thinking, so is it just, it's just like a statue then? That's what I'm thinking. It's almost like, uh, you know, when you go into those, uh, muse, uh, you know, like Madame Tussauds or whatever, and you go in there and they have them. You know, those those dummies or something like that. I think that's what it is, because the woman never moves, like not an inch. Yeah, that's po that's possible. That just might be a thing to show people like this is what you could see. And yeah, then you'll you'll have a few of them standing out doing something. But yeah, he runs through the list here. Lotta, the fat lady, Slim Tim, the thinnest man alive, the amazing Elmo, world's strongest man. And he's bending like a metal bar and uh the, the human pretzel will bend over backwards to please you. All oh, this and more. Hurry, hurry, hurry. And <laughs> that's a really neat panel. I like it. There's some goon up front shoving popcorn in his face. And then there's a sailor there. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, that's like I said, Plug is great when drawing the mass of people. <laughs> mm, yeah, he's good at crowds. Yeah, that's that's for sure. He's he really even he has the details in everything. And <laughs> it's uh, it's funny. So all of a sudden she goes, that's understandable. This whole circus is beginning to make me itch. And she, uh, Jack says, allergic to sawdust, Lisa. And she goes, no, to goosebumps. There's something unpleasant about this show. And there is this creepy guy, and it says, the executioner. See him perform. And he's got an axe. He's really creepy looking. And a, and a uh, what's that called? A oh guillotine. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, that would give me the goosebumps, too. I'm like, okay. But uh, they uh, are still creeping around there. And then all of a sudden they see uh, our buddy here and uh, they go into his tent. The, uh, uh, well, what's his name? I can't even tell. They already said his name like Reva. Reva. Yeah, Reva. And he, uh, you know, motions them into his tent to come have their, you know, future told. And <laughs> nobody wants to really go in, but Jack kind of does. And he goes to Jack and he says, welcome, Effendi. Would you care to have your future revealed to you? Of course you would. Come in. And he goes in, but the other two, Buck and Lisa, they just keep wandering around and leave him there, which I thought was kind of weird. I'm just like, geez, why didn't you go with him or at least wait for him? Yeah, I'm kind of viewing it as like Jack. They're, wa they're still walking. Jack's just like wandering off on his own because, you know, he's a child. Yeah, he does say, go get a snack. I'll be here. 
So maybe that's why they were like, okay, but I thought this is weird. And then what about this crazy thing? What's he smoking in there? Yeah, he's had he's doing stuff to make Jack pass out. He has, I mean, from yeah. what, what we see is his, his origin. I'm assuming he's a mutant with yeah, like he's... limited abilities. So the you know putting people in a gas to make people suggestible kind of heightens his abilities. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was his own abilities or it was the Bloodstone or what was going on. That kind of like you said, yeah, he almost has some kind of like uh, psychic abilities or some kind of mentalist or something like that, right? Yeah, from what I can tell from his origin, reading about it, it looks like, yeah, it doesn't call him one, but he, he sounds like a mutant, but, you mm. know, kind of like Mesmero. You know? Yeah. He has yeah. some power, but not a lot of power. You know, he's not that strong, so he needs to do some things to, uh, or like the character Pyro. The, the, mm -hmm. you know, he controls fire, but he can't make it. Yeah. That's why he always has to have, like, those big, you know, uh, napalm tanks on his back. <laughs> he and I love control it, but he just can't, he can't make Conjure. He's not like the human torch. No, no, no. Yeah, he can't create it. I do love how, though, this is, I found this interesting. So Jack is standing there talking to the guy, and he's, you know, like entrancing him, as he says, between maybe, like we said, his own powers and this, like, uh, you know, heavy duty ganja or whatever he's got here in this, in this crazy little thing with this little demon on it, by the way, or whatever. And then Jack goes, like, basically to sleep standing straight up which I thought was weird. He didn't like pass out, fall over, nothing. He's just like standing he's straight. Yeah, and his head's kind of like bowed. And they're like, okay, you know, we uh, need to get out of town here because we have what we came for because they know he's the werewolf, right? Yeah, yeah. They know exactly who it is and what they're getting. It's kind of similar to like what, it is, I mean, granted, I have limited knowledge of it, so I could be completely wrong. But from what I understand of like real quote-unquote zombies, where, like, mm -hmm. it's not a person who is dead, but it's a person who's kind of, like, in a trance, put, a, put in some kind of, like, trance state where, you know, so their their higher brain function isn't really working. They're, you know, they're not thinking. They're just kind of doing what they're told. Like, here, walk over here. Yeah, yeah. And that's I, kind of, like, what they're doing to Jack here, it looks like. Yeah, so they do. They start packing up, like, we're out of here. And then Buck and Lisa are like, hey, what's going on, you know? Why are y'all packing up? And the guy's like, I don't know. We were told to pack up, and that's that. And this old guy... and. She kind of snaps out. She's like, it's not like Jack to take off without telling me, Buck. And he goes, isn't it, Lisa? Jack's been pretty moody these last few months. Come on, let's head home. Maybe he hitched a ride back ahead of us. And again, this is really weird. Like, they went there together. He didn't say anything about leaving. They think he's just going to pack up and leave and hitchhike home. What? Hey, to be fair, yeah, Buck, I mean, from now, Lisa knows what's going on with him. So yeah. she might know why. But I mean, for Buck, I mean... Jack kind of like just randomly disappears. Didn't he like, weren't they tied up and didn't he show up and then leave? <laughs> you know, no, granted, it was because he realized he was about to turn to a werewolf and he wanted to get out before he hurt them. But I mean, if you don't know he's a werewolf, it's like, dude. Yeah, what's this clown up to? But they, so, they, you know, they take Buck's off. Like, yeah. yeah, Jack's kind of flighty. <laughs> I like the kid, but he's kind of like a loose keto. He's kind of like, woohoo, you know, mm -hmm. shiny object and he gets distracted. Yeah, and then we uh, jump over to the Los Angeles Police Department, 23rd Precinct, and we have the fuzz here, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, there's a, a headline on the newspaper about a werewolf and this and that. And, uh, you know, they're pretty much clueless, and <laughs> it shows here. But this guy, he's like, you know, uh, I'm going to find out, and I'm going to stop this because they do mention some continuity here, and they yeah. talk about Joshua Kane and all those guys and the brother from the previous two issues, right? Yeah, that's what's bringing that's what's bringing this all to their attention. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. all the death there, you know, the, the dead people, the dead rich people, you know, that's going to bring the cops on you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then the guy, the what is he, like the lieutenant here, Lieutenant Hackett, I think, he, uh, it, it doesn't even like, the, he looks at this headline, it says about a werewolf, and he doesn't say, oh, werewolf, this is crazy. There's no such thing as a werewolf. He's just like, or we got a werewolf loose in the city. Let's let's get on it. It's like, what? <laughs> Someone has to believe. <laughs> there has to be one believer, right? <laughs> yeah, it's wild. I'm just like, what is going on here? But uh, we switched to the uh, convoy, the, the Carney convoy that's heading out of town. And Jack is still half out of it. And that Reva guy, he tells all the other Carnies, he says, brothers and sisters, Partners in our precious enterprise, I give you young Jack here. The key to our success, on midnight, three days hence, beneath the third full moon, all we have waited and prayed for will come to pass because of this boy. And I thought, so he's going to turn into a werewolf. So right now you're thinking to yourself, well, okay, they're going to use this guy as a sideshow attraction. I get it. That's going to garner a lot of interest. But at 50 cents a pop, I don't know how rich you're going to get. No. But as we'll reveal, as will be revealed, there's more to it, and yet less. Because yeah, you you're wondering like, oh, there might be more, something more, maybe something magical or mystical. And while it is, it's also very human and petty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Riva here, he's he's got an ulterior motive here as well as you know making a couple bucks. But yeah, we'll we'll get to that in the next issue. And <laughs> but now the little guy here that we said kind of looks like he's dressed like, you know, Marvel Man, Miracle Man, and a cowboy. Because he has a whip and he has a gun holster. I don't know if there's a gun in it, but uh, he starts whipping the crap out of Jack to make him get in this cage, right? Yeah, he has some kind of issue with Jack. Because, I mean, even if you go back to the pages when Swami's talking about, when Reba's talking about bringing him, he's like, and I don't know why he knows this. He's like, no, because look, go back to that first page with the, uh, with the, you know, with Reba and him. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, that's wonderful, Swami. He's thinking, no, the Swami is wrong. This will spoil everything. And my mm-hmm. only question is, why and how does he think that? Yeah, what's I making mean, him think that? The only thing I can come up with is that he likes this, and he doesn't want this to stop. Mm. You know, once they get what they want, everything's going to change. Yeah, he likes he the carny life the way it is. He's liking it as it is, so he does not want it to stop. That's the only thing I can think of that's kind of fitting with this. Yeah, he... Uh... Yeah, he really uh, starts going berserk here. Like, you can tell he really doesn't like him. He uses the whip on him and starts beating the crap out of him with it. And then uh, the big guy here, uh, he stops him from doing it. He, uh, <laughs> the little guy says, let me go. Put me down, you big gorilla. And, yeah, the big guy is just like, hey, man, listen, just go in the cage. It's going to be okay. You know, I'll be your buddy here. I'll be your friend here, even yeah. if everybody else is beating you. <laughs> I mean, granted, I'm still putting you in a cage, but... <laughs> I'm putting you in a cage nicely instead of beating you up and putting you in the cage. So get in the cage. <laughs> El- Elmo. I'm sorry. I couldn't remember that guy's name. It's Elmo. <laughs> but oh, yeah, gosh, yeah. I just realized now I'm vic- now I'm picturing him with Elmo's voice. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great if they had a live action uh, uh, movie and it had this guy in and he was just this big hulking guy and he had that voice. <laughs> that would be great. Had the Elmo <laughs> voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please, Jack, yeah. go into the cage. Because, yeah, this dude's literally, like, seven feet tall and just, like, is jacked like a bodybuilder, like Schwarzenegger used to be. He's huge. Yeah. <laughs> but, yep, Jack's, you know, basically uh, locked up, and they, he, they're they going to put him on display here, right? And, wow, this, uh, 
uh, this page here at the bottom, there's a half page uh, panel where it has him locked up. And there's this really sexy woman here, which we've never seen before, but she's there in her, you know, little skimpy outfit. And she's kind of like, you know, one of the, uh, one of Barker's beauties on the price is right. She has her hand out like, aha, look at this. Like it's a refrigerator and the Barker's there, Stan Lee's there and they're talking about him and wild man, see his amazing transformation right before your eyes. And, you know, there's a bunch of people and even a kid with a lollipop there getting ready to watch this. And that's a great panel. Oh, that that is awesome! Again, that kid is just like this this kid with that that cap on, the lollipop, and the red, white, and yellow, no, red, white, and black striped shirt. Mm-hmm. It just so sets the mood, and they're calling him the Wild Man of Borneo. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. Why don't they just say it's a werewolf? I don't get that. That's that's the weird. part I don't get. Why don't they just call it? <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. get that either. I mean, like, I mean, I understand they're using the term wild man of Borneo, but why would they use that over werewolf? Yeah, I, I yeah, because the name of the comic isn't the wild man of Borneo by night. It's werewolf yeah. by night. <laughs> but they do have a, a transformation scene on the next page, and it is a little funky. Uh, I've never seen it quite like this um, with Plug's art because um, it shows that the, the, it's like three three uh, circular bubbles here showing him transforming at the top of the panels and then the bottom of the panels are uh you the know reactions the, yeah the onlookers and they're all just like huh what and then and then ah as he turns into a werewolf and of course instead of being scared then they all start clapping like this is great it's like what no this is not great because well, <laughs> they think you're in trouble <laughs> they think it's fake because i mean look at the comments man it's amazing what they can do with mirrors mirrors <laughs> nothing if you look close you can see the zippers in his costume <laughs> that's fantastic well i mean you can't see one zipper because he is wearing pants I don't yes know, maybe <laughs> but yeah the uh, the barker here he goes and there you have it ladies and gents man and a beast and that's just the beginning there's more on the inside bigger better bolder and the cost is only half of one dollar so wow so not only are you getting to see a guy transform from human into a werewolf for 50 cents that gets you into the whole sideshow attraction here so that's a it's a pretty good deal here's, here's the thing the werewolf is just the opening thing to get you to pay. Yeah, shouldn't he be the the, the climax? Yeah, like, like, like he should be the money shot. The, like <laughs> these guys are either dumb, like these carnies are either dumb for this, or they're really thinking they're all the, their acts are awesome because they're like, yeah, let's use him as the uh, you know opening thing. Let's use him to get people to come in. Yeah, that's crazy to me. He's he's in there and use like the strong man to get people to go in or something. That, that that's wild. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's like once you paid it's like hey sucker yeah we got your money <laughs> but yeah he gets a little too close to the cage here and <laughs> the werewolf grabs him and starts choking the crap out of him he's like ah help me somebody help <laughs> and then here comes our buddy with the whip right yeah but my favorite is the second panel for several seconds the sun spe- the stunned spectator stood mute stood mute witness to the barker's desperate plight then, reacting with mankind's customary concern for the welfare of one's fellow man, they all quickly fled the scene. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a that's a good uh, writing by Ween there, man. That's funny as heck. Because <laughs> let's that's be honest. Great, oh, that's a great it, dig at humanity. Yeah, let's be yeah. honest. He's he's right. That's exactly what would happen. <laughs> it's like, how do people normally react when someone else is in trouble? Uh, I think I have a meeting to go to. I got to leave. Head for the hills, every man for himself. <laughs> Time to hit that old dusty trail. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. But yeah, the whip comes out and that guy starts whipping the crap out of him. And then uh, 
the Swami shows up here, Reva, and he goes, don't worry, Mr. Calliope, you'll live to bark again. And Reva says, what is this? What's wrong here? And the uh, little guy, I think his name is, oh, gosh, what did they say his name was, too? It's, um, it's, it's so imaginative. It's uh, Midge. Midge. Yeah, that sounds like a woman to me. Midge. M-I-G-E. Uh, well, okay. think about it. Add a T at the oh, end. Oh, yeah. Is there? Yeah, they're using uh, I gotcha. Yeah, for a little person. Okay, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got hey, you. He's like, he's really? Just, he's just shortening it, but he's, yeah, they basically throwing an insult at the poor guy. Yeah. Well, um, so <laughs> wrong, great Swami. I'll tell you what's wrong. It's him. That, that hoodoo you brought here. I told you he'd be trouble from the start. And uh, Reva grabs him and he's like, and I told you he'd be worth the trouble. You ungrateful son of a sand flea. Holy smokes. I'm <laughs> just like, really? <laughs> oh, gosh. Hey, that's bad. He, he at least has some good insults. I like it. Yeah, and he has his finger right in the guy's face, too. And he goes, don't force me to choose between you, Midge, before you would most certainly regret my choice. So he's basically like putting him on notice, like, listen, pal, you know, you better watch it because if you get on my nerves, I'll have, you know, the werewolf take care of you or the big guy here. I'm Elmo or something. The, the werewolf is more important than you are. Yeah, and then he walks away and this Midge guy just won't let it go. He goes over to the cage and says, filthy, hairy monster, you'll ruin everything if you stay. Everything I've always dreamed of. I like the circus. Want to be part of it. But the show will go to blazes once the Swami gets what he wants from you. Well, he can't get the thing if you're not here, monster. Uh, so go away, run away, get out of my life. And he uses a crowbar to break the chain to let him out of the cage. And I thought, um... Midge, you were whipping the crap out of this guy. I'm sure he doesn't have short-term memory loss. You think he's just going to run away when you open the cage when he sees you standing there after you whipped him? Yeah, no, not not too bright. But yeah, I guess I was right. I forgot about that part, but I guess I was right. He likes being part of the circus. He wants this, He wants things to stay as they are. Mm-hmm. And he starts whipping the crap out of him again, but then uh, the wolf uh, jumps over his whip the one time and starts chasing him down. And I like that panel on the next page where he's running after him and <laughs> Midge, the terror on his face, like, oh, crap, like this, this guy's going to kill me. Bad idea, he, bad idea, bad idea. <laughs> yeah, and he runs into a tent and uh, the werewolf comes in after him. But Chud, he gets clobbered by Elmo and Elmo says, forgive me, Jack. But if I would not let Midge hurt you, I also cannot let you hurt him. And Midge says, stop yapping, you ape, and finish him now while he's down. And uh, Ellen that, needs to slap that guy. Yeah, what a jerk. And that split second, Jack jumps up and attacks Elmo. And Midge is like, he's crazy, Elmo, crazy. And there's a bit of a little fight here that's going on. But a bunch of the other carnies show up and, uh, you know, they uh, are eventually able to uh, subdue Jack, right? Well, they, they kind of, he knocks the tent down and then goes <laughs> yeah. back to chasing after Midge. I like how when the carnies are after him, though, all of them, there's a cowboy that's trying to choke him. And the guy with the axe, the executioner is there as if he's going to take a swing. And then here comes the big lady with a rolling pin and curlers in her hair. Gotta love it. <laughs> what? Man, Plug was having fun with this, wasn't he? Yeah, but yeah, that's what knocks it down. The axe chops down like part of the tent, so it falls yeah, on the them. tent poles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets out and starts chasing Midge again. And Midge tricks him into running into the lion cage. Yeah, and Midge is in there in the lion cage, and he must treat the lions either better than he treats Jack with the whip, or they're just scared of him 
from being whipped so many times because he's standing like behind them and there's four lions. It looks like three female lions and one male lion that are about to uh, uh, go after Jack here. So uh, pretty cool. Yeah. And that's where we end the issue with Jack trapped with four lions. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, interesting. I mean, they they it seems like from one issue or one storyline to the next, they're trying to find, you know, different ways of, you know, showing that Jack isn't this all powerful. You know, he can run through anything like they're, they're trying to find things or people that can challenge him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it would get very boring if every issue is just him, you know, beating everything easily. Mm hmm. I yeah. Mean, even the Hulk never gets to beat everything easily. Yeah, and I, I feel like he's even a much tougher character to find that uh, find stuff to uh, challenge him, right? <laughs> well, I, maybe it's a little easier because the Hulk's so strong that you can throw like these monstrous things at him. You know, you could throw rhinos and juggernauts and abominations and you know other giant alien things at him, and that works because it's the Hulk. But like those things would take apart the werewolf in seconds. So he's kind of like almost like a middle thing. You know, you kind of have that middle ground. You know, you can't just have him being taken up by the truckers because that's a little too easy. <laughs> but you can't have him, you know, be too powerful that and nothing stops him. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, he's not the juggernaut here. So exactly. <laughs> but yeah, fun issue. And you know, again, it's a we got a two parter here, just like the previous two issues. Instead of it just being kind of a one off with a little bit of continuity from one to the next, it's a it's a, a two parter. So uh, and like we, we said, it does have some continuity from the last story. So. Yeah, yeah, they mentioned those, you know, two brothers, which that was cool. I like that, you know, where, where Jack ended up in the previous two stories and where he ended up in these two were starting off wasn't like a direct, like, you know, continuation, but it, it was pretty good. Them them talking about the continuity and even Buck and Lisa, some of their conversation is, again, you know, some some not heavy, but good continuity to keep you, you know, can keep you going, right? Yeah, exactly. So, it, you know, they're starting to get some story going on that, where it matters it's not just random event random event random event yeah it's not just like an anthology here but all right well why don't we jump on to werewolf by night number seven uh, this one is cover dated july 1973 and again mike plug cover so this one's a pretty darn cool cover i think i got to admit this is a really good cover yeah i like this one ritual of blood as he's you know it's a it's like the last one he's trapped by the circus and this one he's like the, it's almost like he's the phantom of the circus or something yeah, he's almost like he's on, on top of one of the tents or something like that, right? And he's, like, leering down at this uh, blonde woman. Yeah, she's coming out. She's, like, walking out. Someone's like, oh, my God. And she has a torch in her hand that's burning. And then in the background, we have a... It looks like Elmo. And then I'm not sure who that other little guy is supposed to be. The executioner, maybe? Maybe, because he does kind of look like that costume. Oh, and then the guy in the middle, that's probably the contortionist, right? That's my guess, yeah. Yeah, okay. So yeah, pretty cool stuff. And yeah, there's like I said, Jack, you know, Plug is so good at this character. And I do like, you know, even something like shadowing here with the, the, the torch, you know, lighting up parts of his body. It's just it's fantastic. All cover. the smoke from the the because like two of them have torches and there's like so much smoke behind it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, billowing around and stuff like that. And then even a shadow back there. There's like somebody in a shadow. Yeah, great, great stuff. I mean, there's a an oil barrel there. Not sure what they need that for, but Maybe oh, it's got to explode with the fire. <laughs> yeah, let's say there must be an explosion somehow, right? <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, let's uh, jump in here. So like you said, Ritual of Blood is the name of this one, and it's a uh, script Len Wein, pencils Mike Plug. This one's inked by Jim Mooney, who is a guy I really like uh, quite a bit. 
as an inker and then even a penciler. Uh, colors, Glennis Oliver, and letters, uh, Charlotte Jetter. And uh, it just says, uh, Jack escapes from the circus and the control of Swami Riva and the Bloodstone. So, all right, let's dive in here. So, it again, it picks right up exactly where it left off with Jack being uh, confronted by Midge and his uh, lions here in the lion cage, right? Yeah. And I like how they mentioned here, it's like, if these were wild animals, he would be dead. Mm-hmm. But because they are captive, they've been captive for so long, or being captive from birth, while they are dangerous, they're not as dangerous as they would be if mm-hmm. they actually had to survive out in the wild. Yeah. Yeah, and you figure that that, that, probably, that does make some sense. I think that holds some water there, right? I, I think so, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why like cat, animals that are bred in captivity, they can't just let them go. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't survive. They would basically die, die out there. They're not, you know, they don't have the same survival skills as ones that have lived out there their whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, good, good page here. And animals are tough to draw. If you ask any artist, they will tell you animals in general are tough to draw. There are specific ones that are tougher than others, but... I think uh, they do a good job here, Plug and Mooney, right? I mean, the werewolf and these uh, these uh, lions look pretty good. Yeah, no, I like the I like the movement he gives the lions. It's not just one pose, mm-hmm. you know. It's all kinds of different ones of like them crawling on him, you know, on his back. Well, one's on the front. There's one on his back, like you know, with its claws ready to attack him. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's some cool poses here. Yeah, really good stuff. And yeah, one of them is diving right at him off of an elevated position, and then when you turn the page, there it is for sure. It dives right on him and <laughs> bites him like he gets his hand up to kind of stop it. It's like biting down on his wrist. I love that. That's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. There's some good ones here. So, yeah, we got a couple of them. I'm not sure. Look, the last issue showed four of them. Here it looks like there's only three. Yeah, it looks like just two female lions or lionesses and then the, the, the male lion here, which that's kind of funny to me. I always, when I was a kid, um, maybe this was some kind of uh, – uh, uh, sexism. I don't know if you call it sexism that I was born with, but I will always just assume, well, well, the male lion's, you know, the guy lion, and he's the bigger someone, so he probably does all the hunting and this and that, and then I get a little older and you read things, and it's like, no, the male lion's kind of lazy. He just kind of sits around, and the female lions are the ones that go out and get all the food and do all yeah. the, like, butt-kicking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're the ones to be be scared of. The male lion's just because it has that, you know, the mane, so everyone's like, oh, look at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at him. He's lazy. <laughs> But yeah, so this is awesome. So uh, the one girl lion is Sheba, which is kind of hilarious. That attacks Jack and he flips her off. And I don't mean like with his middle finger. I mean, he just like (laughs) (laughs) he like literally like does like a a judo move here, flips the the lion. And then the male lion jumps on his back and they start going back and forth. And I do like how, you know, the uh, the guy Midge is watching this and he's kind of like, you know, has this look on his face like uh you know oh i hear they're gonna get him and i hope they can take him but wow that panel it's like a circular you know panel like imposed over like the rectangular panel there that's a really good detail on him and then there's like a light coming from the left i really like that yeah no it looks good and you could i like the captioning it's like i could sense the maniacal gleam in midge's eyes and it's like yeah like everyone here in the circus is kind of obsessed Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like the other ones are obsessed with what the Swami's promising them, and this guy's obsessed with not having letting it happen. Yeah, and it looks like you know these cats are probably going to get the the better of Jack, or at least you know they're. It, it looks like at least <clears throat> the very least it'll be a stalemate, and then an arm comes in to try to choke one of the cats, and Midge 
no, stop, leave the cats alone, you big gorilla, you'll ruin everything. And Elmo came in to, uh, you know, help Jack out here because he doesn't want to see him get uh, killed, right? Yeah, no, he's actually the only semi-decent one there. Mm-hmm. It seems like everyone, you know, he's like, this is enough, no murder. I told you, no one's getting hurt. And Big Elbow means what he says. Yeah, and I like how you turn the page and all the other carnies are just watching outside the cage like, you know, it's free entertainment for them. And I like this woman here. She's got a pair of pants on that are barely holding on. And she has like a Valkyrie, you know, uh, thing on her head with these wings and a uh, like a flaming bra. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. what is she? What part is she? <laughs> They're just. Yeah, he's just having fun drawing random people in weird costumes. Yeah, because, I mean, there's like a big cowboy. We did see him, the executioner guy, and then <laughs> the big lady with the rolling pin and the curlers in her hair. But that woman and then this other guy that's like sticking his rear end out there while he's bent down watching the show here. Uh, they don't they seem to be a little out of place. I don't remember them. He's the inventor of the twerking. <laughs> yeah, I think he is because the position he's in looks freaking hilarious. <laughs> but inside the cage, Jack's choking the male lion and Elmo has one of the female lions and he's getting ready to chuck it and. You know, it's all this back and forth, but then uh, the Swami comes in, and it seems like everybody just chills out. And I do like the uh, caption box here. It says, the curtains parted, and the dark-eyed mystic who controlled this circus strode somberly into the tent. The telepathic Swami everyone called the remarkable Riva. So there you go. There's a little validation about his power, right? Yeah. Yeah, he has something. He has Mm -hmm. enough power, at least over these people, you know, enough power that these people view it as amazing. Yeah, and it's kind of funny, too, because he comes walking in, and all the other carnies kind of part ways to let him come through, and then we switch to the cage. And back in the cage, even the lions are going back into their, like, pen. And I thought, can he tell the lions to do that, like his telepathy on lions? Yeah, I I would assume so. Most characters have telepathy. We always see them, you know, control animals. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So yeah. uh, Yeah, he does say, I will ask only once, Midge who is responsible for this incident. And instead of just copping out or instead of just, you know, copping to it and saying it was me, he goes, don't look at me. Great Reva. Elmo was the one in the cage. And he goes, Midge, you are not saying that I was. And he goes, I'm not saying nothing. Great Reva can't figure for himself. And he pimp slaps him. Again, he gets the great, the great comments, the great put downs stunted Mm -hmm. son of a toothless jackal. Is your memory as worthless as your honesty? Mm-hmm. I already knew the answer from reading your devious mind. <laughs> Be gone from my sight, dwarf. The rest of you as well, before the remarkable Riva loses his legendary patience. <laughs> legendary patience. Wow, that seems like a bit of a stretch. Usually people who have legendary patience are the people like him, Namor, the Hulk. <laughs> right, yeah, not Gandhi. It's them. You know, people who don't have any. <laughs> I'm saying you just slapped somebody down, but said you had legendary patience. I'm not sure about that, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Legend. Basically, if anyone says they have legendary patience, you know, it's like you, that's a warning. It's like, yeah, you have no patience whatsoever. And then you Elmo, Elmo says, "But what do we do about the boy, Great Swami? Considering his er condition." And the Swami says, "We leave him here, Elmo, until morning. One cage is as good as another for such as he." So there he is. He's like pissed off in the cage and then all of a sudden he realizes like you know i'm not getting out of this cage so i'm just gonna take a little nap here and i like how he curls up there to just take a little nap <laughs> yeah. well it's like an animal eventually i can't get out i'm gonna you know, what else am i gonna do 
yeah, there's no dinner around, so I guess I'll sleep, right? <laughs> I do like how Reba is like very matter of fact of this. He's just like, eh, he, he's in a cage. Does it matter mm-hmm. which one? Yeah. Because like, I mean, why, why should we bother fighting him now? Let him go to sleep. We'll get him in the morning when he's a human. And then Jack, I don't know if this is supposed to be him sleeping, thinking about this, or as he woke up and he's kind of thinking about it. Because the, in the next page over, his head is kind of like you know the little stars around his head, like he got hit over the head by something. But you know, he's remembering what happened and how he got into this situation, right? Yeah, I think now they're using that to show the uh, hypnotism or whatever he's under, because now like he has those stars every panel that we see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that the magic weed is wearing off too. The hypnotism, the telepathy, and that smoke that he was using to to get him a little uh, dulled in there. And he, <laughs> Elmo, he comes over and he's real nice to him. He's like, "Hey, how are you feeling this morning? You know, uh, forgive me. Come, we'll return you to your old cage." So he's walking, and Jack's right behind him, and he says, "Sorry, Jack, I must do this." And he, he you know, puts him in his cage. He goes, "You don't understand, and you are afraid. But maybe if we explain, maybe if you knew." He goes, it would not be so bad for you. And he says, listen, Jack, and I will tell you the story of the great Reva as the great Reva told it to me. And here we get the origin for this guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this is where I said, like, I think he, uh, I'm assuming even though it's not said anywhere, he's some kind of mutant because it mm-hmm. says he was, he was, you know, he was born different, a telepath, a reader of minds. Mm-hmm. It says he was uh, from Nepal. Yeah. And it made him an outcast. Which mm-hmm. does track a lot with a lot of characters who have telepathic powers. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. It happens to a lot of them if they aren't able to control it. Yeah, because I think a, a lot of times they'll they'll portray a character like that as, you know, talking to people and knowing things that they don't know or being able to figure things out. And they're like, nobody could figure that out there. You must be a, you know, there's something wrong with you. And then they kind of exactly. come out Yeah. And he goes, until the day Reva overheard a tale that was to change all of our lives forever. And here's where he gets told about a legendary bloodstone, a mysterious jewel said to be the key to undreamed of treasure all across the world. Great Reva searched for the gem until he came at last to a secluded temple deep in the Himalayas. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, he was from Nepal and he searched the entire world and ended up in the Himalayas. Back in Nepal. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, what? That does not make any sense at all. Sorry, Len. <laughs> Well, now, to be fair, though, as we're going to see here, he's not the, the story. He, it's, it's like we're getting we're seeing the real story and get in. The, the captions are giving us the version he tells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, it says he goes to that temple. He finds out it's there and it says he convinced the old priest the bloodstone should be his. But we see him attack the priest with a knife. <laughs> That's how he convinced him. He killed him. Yeah, so I'm thinking he just, I don't think he traveled the world. I mean, there's nothing in there that shows us he didn't, but based on that, it's like, I think he just, I think he just embellished the story to make himself look better. He really just, you know, wandered around his own, you know, wandered around there until he found this place, but he didn't go around the world. And he does uh, find this little uh, box that has this uh, bloodstone in it and almost looks like a kidney. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it looks like. It looks like a big kidney bean. (laughs) Yeah, so he's... Before so the next realizing sunrise, I couldn't need it. <laughs> he goes, yeah. Before the next sunrise, Great Reva had claimed the bloodstone and returned to the lonely mountain hovel he called home. And he goes to put the gem to use. And it shows him with a dagger in his hand, and it says, "Anxiously, Reva made the proper mystic gestures, performed all the instructed rituals." And I'm thinking, like, what? What did he do with that knife? He had a bleed on it. It looks like. 
Yeah, I don't know. He cut his hand or wrist or something and bled on it. And he goes, but then he discovered he failed. For Great Reva was a super normal being. And to make the bloodstone work, he required a being supernatural. So, okay, now here's why we get he was looking for Jack, right? Yeah, and that's why I'm going with Mutant. Because if he just had mystical abilities, he could potentially be supernatural. Yeah. You know, like you could potentially say Doctor Strange, even though it's learned, is a supernatural, you know, could qualify as supernatural himself. Mm -hmm. But Professor X is super normal. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny, too. He It says, oh, again, he began to search the dark corners of the globe, gathering the outcasts, the different others such as he, and we, too, failed the test. So that's how he got this group of carnies together was he was searching for people that he thought might be, you know, uh, supernatural, and all of them are just regular people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we joined his quest, for he promised each of us a share of the treasure if we succeeded. So you realize, yeah, this is a magical thing, but for the most part, it's just about money. Yeah, they're all just greedy. <laughs> but yeah, then Elmo says, yeah, and that's I the mean, whole it's possible, just desperate too. Because yeah. I mean, if I mean, like, look at the guy who's what he has in the cap in the box there. It's a guy who looks, you know, it's like hunchbacked. Yeah. So you have to assume, especially back then, I mean, if this is 73 and we're talking years before, we're talking 60s, maybe even mm -hmm. 50s. Yeah, they're not going to be treated very well. They're not going to really have much chance of real job, you know, like getting a job and having a life in a house somewhere. They're going to be kicked to the edge of society. So depending on who they are, it's potential greed, potential just desperation. I yeah, mean, I I'm kind of. I'm kind of viewing Elmo's life beforehand as almost like Lenny from Of Mice and Men. Yeah, well, I'm kind of thinking, too, if you think about it, especially with that, you know, hunchback guy that they showed, too, maybe, too, some of them thought, hey, you know, I, I don't, you know, like you said, it's tough to get employment, so if I can get some money, maybe some kind of medical procedure or something like that could help them. Yeah, or at least I have the money, then I can live somewhere comfortably and people will leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, seclusion, too. But, yeah, Elmo uh, says, and that's the whole story, Jack, we don't want to keep you caged, but we have traveled too far, sacrificed too much to lose for our only chance for success. So please, Jack, do not hate us. Help us tonight, and maybe the great Reva will give you a share of the treasure, too. And it's and, like, yeah, yeah, probably not, dude. <laughs> well, I'm wondering, based on how Reva tells the story and what actually happened, how many of them is he actually planning on sharing this with? Yeah, probably none of them. <laughs> you know, and the only question left is, is it that he's going to sneak off and do it himself, get it himself, or are they all going to die? Yeah, well, we're about to see. <laughs> well, I mean, so, I mean, or was his plan to have him die after he finds it, after he's able to get it? Mm -hmm, you know, are they yeah. just there to help him get it and then? I think so. Yeah, I think that's how it is. I think they're only useful to him and buddies with him because he needs them to help him get something. And once he gets what he wants, they're done. Yeah. So the question is, does Midge know that realize that or is Midge just really like this only like the, you know, just not want things to change? Is he scared of change or does he realize what potentially could happen if they find something that will actually help them? Mm hmm. Yeah. And then we switch back. We got Buck and Lisa. They're coming back to the uh, Carney show here because it's the last place they saw Jack. And obviously it's been a couple of days. So they're like, hey, you know. We, we need to go find him. And Buck says, okay, we're here now. I still wish you'd let me call in the police, Lisa. And she goes, no, Buck, at this point, they'd be a bother. 
than more of a bother than help. Besides, we have nothing for them to go on except my hunch. And like you said, she already knows something's going on with Jack and the werewolf and all that, too. So she doesn't yeah. want to bring the cops down on him, which I think is the main reason. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, they do have enough of the fact that it's been a few days. He is missing for more than 24 hours. And this is the last place they saw him. He went to the tent and they never saw him again. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not like he's just some random person. You know, this is her brother. Her, fa- her family has money. The cops are going to at least pay attention a bit. I mean, come on. They have a they have a they well, they had a yacht until Jack sank it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the family has some money. So, yeah, the cops always take them somewhat seriously. So, yeah, that has to be the only reason she doesn't want to bring him in. It's like she knows that, yeah, I don't want them to shoot my brother because they saw a werewolf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they start, you know, creeping around looking for him and they run into the uh, Carney Barker here and he's like, can I do something for you folks? And they said, yeah, we're looking for a friend of ours. Tall, red hair, uh, about 18. His name's Russell, Jack Russell. And he goes, Russell? Sorry, never heard of him. And she goes, uh, this is Lisa, uh-huh. Mind if we check around here for ourselves? And he goes, matter of fact, I do. You can see yourselves. The show ain't open yet. Come on back later on, and uh, we'll come with a police escort. Now, we can do this thing friendly or otherwise, buddy. It's your choice. And he goes, well, in that case, step right this way, and I'll give you the grand tour. And it says, so moments later, and it says, uh, here's our buddy, the remarkable Reva. He knows all, and he sees all, and tells all. So they talk to him about it, and Lisa says, uh, really? Then maybe your swami ship can tell you where to find my brother when I saw him last. He was going into your tent. <laughs> I'm liking Lisa. The more they're letting her be in the series, the more I'm liking her. She does not put up with any BS. Mm. No. Nope. She is fun. Mm-hmm. But I like that he's trying to play this off. So it's like, look, there's a lot of people coming. I don't know everybody. Come on. Like, yeah. I don't know everybody. And then, of course, the wind blows at the right time where the tent that's covering Jack's cage opens up. And she's like, he's my bro. Oh, my dear Lord, Jack. Buck tries to get all tough. Mister, if you've done anything to hurt that boy, I'll take a vacuum. It'll take a vacuum cleaner to pick up your pieces. (laughs) (laughs) Buck, please. Jack needs us. (laughs) But it doesn't take long because they go over and start trying to console Jack and ask him if he's all right and et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, the Swami here, Reva, puts the whammy on them, right? It also changes Buck hair blonde. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is great. So, no, no, the best part's coming up at the end of the page. I know that is the best part. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, I'm reading this story and I'm thinking, okay, he puts a whammy on him. I'm thinking, I guess he's just going to lock them up in a cage too. Nope. He turns them into carnies. And what does he do to these poor folks? <laughs> hurry, 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 ladies and gents. Step right up to see the wonders of the age the hideous chicken man and the sensuous serpent girl. <laughs> And she's just in a snake costume. It's all it is. Just, I mean, it's obvious costumes. He's in a chicken costume. <laughs> and she's in a snake costume. Oh, it's great. Yeah, Buck is there standing there like he's still half asleep or asleep with this chicken costume on. And it's got like the chicken wings, like the midsection part and it, like a chicken head over. And you can still see his face poking out the bottom, but then just bare legs. So it looks kind of creepy. And then uh, Lisa, the serpent girl, She's in like a bodysuit. It's, you know, real sexy and green and yellow, almost like, you know, uh, scales on a serpent, right? Yeah, but it's just funny. It's like, put a costume. We got costumes. Put them in something. Yeah, it's, we had a chicken man costume that would fit him and a bodysuit of a snake that would fit her. We just had them laying around. Makes no sense. <laughs> Craziness. It's hilarious. I love it. Oh, it's great. And he goes, 
And by George, you're just in time to witness the most amazing transformation ever recorded. So he has the two of them standing there. And there's uh, our boy Jack. And uh, he's a helpless victim of the curse of the full moon. And that's a transformation there, too. I like this one a little bit better than the one from earlier. Oh, the one with, like, the little bubbles around it? Yeah. I think Jack looks much better changing into the wolf in this one. I just like the way, you know, the coloring and everything there looks really, really cool. And once again, he finds the werewolf finds himself caged and wants to attack everybody. You can see everyone's like, ooh, that's cool. Yeah, it looks like there's a guy up front uh, with a big smile on his face. But the guy behind him to his right looks like Richard Nixon. It does look like Nixon. Oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> this is great. So Swami Riva says, all is in readiness, Calliope. Time to close the show for the night. And Calliope says, the rubes aren't going to like it, Swami. And he goes, what does that matter to me? Close up now. The rubes. <laughs> like, wow. Well, here we go. And then we have the uh, the scene where everybody's back in there now with Jack. And all the carnies are there. Uh, Midge is there. Elmo, Calliope, the executioner, the big lady, uh, the contortionist, and the cowboy. They're all there. And uh, Calliope then has a cane that has, like, this crazy, like, gas gun in it, right? Yeah, he has this, like, gas cane. It's like, as the issue goes on, they're turning into a circus of crime more and more. <laughs> yeah. They're getting, like, gadgets out. and stuff. Yeah, it, it knocks him out, though. For some reason, uh, as he gasses him, Jack is holding his stomach. I'm not sure why he's doing that, but that's what he's doing. Is that it's giving him a tummy ache. No, I don't know how gas affects werewolves. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if there's been enough scientific studies on that, so maybe it does hurt his tummy. <laughs> but, but he, yeah, he wakes up unconscious on this table, strapped to it. Mm-hmm. And there's again, there's all the carnies there watching, and he gets his uh, magic kidney bean out here, and he says, uh, "Soon it will be midnight, and at long last, the bloodstone will be put to its proper use." And now here's where he goes into what's really going on here. He says, "A use for which it has waited untold centuries since first it was created in the high mountain sanctuary of the wizard king." Kaman Ru. He says, Kaman Ru, possessor of history's greatest treasure, of whom it was said that demons did sit at the foot his carved jade throne. Kaman Ru, who when at last he lay upon his deathbed did order the most fabulous fortune buried, and then did order the execution of those who had done the deed so the treasure would never be hidden forever from the eyes of every man. So that's a, that's pretty good there. And this is a wild looking scene, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I had to check real quick because I know back in the 70s, a lot of times they would do these things where like they would flash back to like Conan type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because Conan was part of it's still part of the. Uh, Marvel Universe. Yeah, Conan and Cull and Atlantis and all that jazz. Yeah, sometimes they'll flash back to that. Yep. Yeah, but I checked it. And as far as I can tell, this is an original creation. This is nothing to do with Conan. OK, but yeah, that's it's that's a wild like scene, isn't it? When they especially when they execute those guys like, wow. They're all in the pit, like they're, you know, extra members from G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's <laughs> axes and swords and bow and arrow. Yeah. They're like, they're going to town on these guys. It's gross. Pretty nasty. And I'm wondering, I, yeah, that's the thing that's making me wonder, is that what this, I mean, is that what Reba wants everyone else to be? Like, that's his plan? Mm-hmm. You know, let's, I'm going to kill, you know, you're going to help me find this and then you're all going to die and I'm going to take it myself. Yeah, and then it's funny. It shows him with a feather. And it says, for Common Rue had no heirs, but instead left his legacy a map carved upon his this bloodstone, a map that can only be discerned 
when the stone has been immersed in the blood of a supernatural being. So now we finally know why Jack's here, right? And why he was like using the knife on himself when he first got it. Yep. So there's a really great panel here on that following page, a close up of uh, Reva's face, right? That's really, oh, that's really good. Yeah, that's a really, really good panel. Plug did great there. And apparently the, the Swami is, Reva is no longer going to, you know, just, uh, you know, cut you a little bit to test your blood because he has this big dagger ready to, and he's holding it over his head, ready to plunge it right into the werewolf's chest. Mm-hmm. But Elmo stops him, right? Yeah. Yeah. You you never told us it would be killing Great Reva. No treasure worth that. Besides, Jack is Elmo's friend. And I mean, I can see why he would understand guess that. I mean, everyone there obviously has blood on the stone. That's how they got together. So mm-hmm. none of them died. Mm-hmm. At least no one that they know about. Yeah, it didn't show anybody dying, at least. Who knows I how mean, many other people? <laughs> yeah, it's possible he did kill some people. But I think at this point, yeah, Reba's like, I'm not going to take any chances. This is a werewolf. It's dangerous. Let's just, you know, kill it. Let all the blood go out. And that should be enough. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty interesting here. So, yeah, it's going to be like, you know, a big battle here now because Elmo is trying to say, hey, you know, we, we can't do this. And Reva says, muscle bound wart on a camel's tail. You have ruined everything. The moment has fled. So it had to be right when the clock struck 12. So it'll be another month until we can perform the ritual again. And that pisses off Midge, right? Yeah, because he doesn't want this. He just wants the wolf gone. <laughs> yeah, and he shoots month. him. I can't believe he shoots Elmo. He blasts him with the gun right in the back. But you know, Elmo's a big dude. And I guess it's not a big enough caliber bullet to stop him. So he comes at him and he shoots him another couple of times. But he grabs him, puts him in a bear hug and breaks his back. Yeah, and then they both die. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, poor Elmo. Kind of liked him. Yeah. Now this 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 Elmo, not that Elmo. <laughs> no, no, no. That Elmo terrifies me. <laughs> but yeah, this is cool. So in the in, uh, the two of them are in their death rows here. They knock over this uh, flaming pillar that uh, was providing light inside the tent, and it catches the whole place on fire and causes a complete ruckus here. And Jack, in the meantime, is able to get himself free. And, you know, this isn't going to end well because now you have a really pissed off werewolf and Shiva, the creature is loose. Quickly, you fool, stop him before he destroys us all. And they kind of like all dogpile on him. And there's this scene where we see our buddy uh, Riva here. He's trying to escape when the carnies all like have a leg and an arm and they're choking him. And they have like, you know, these like bat like, you know, uh, not baseball bats, but they're, you know, pieces of wood that look like they're about the size of a baseball bat. But Jack chucks them all off. And he's just thinking to himself, I want to kill, you know, I want to kill, kill. And he goes chasing after Riva. But then we see Riva has a, a plan B here. He's got a hostage in uh, <laughs> the snake girl, right? <laughs> yes, your his sister is a werewolf. Is like, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. But she imagines to scratch the eyes of uh, Riva here when she says, OK, pal, hands off the merchandise. <laughs> yeah, she comes out of her trance. Mm. And the first thing she does is attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, Jack, he's he kind of doesn't seem like he knows what to do at this point. He's just kind of standing there because Reva's there for the taking on the ground. And she's like, Jack, what's happened here? Looks like the whole place is a fire. What did you? And she says, good Lord, Buck, he's still entranced. And Reva's on the ground, you know, complaining about his eye getting scratched out. Um, and Sorry, baby. <laughs> yeah, and she, she says... 
I've got to get Buck out of here before it all comes burning down around our ears. And again, I still don't know where Buck is. You don't even see him during this whole scene here. No, he's he's there. So chicken guys there somewhere. Chicken man. Yeah, it'd be great if he was still in the costume. Oh, God, I hope the next issue starts with him still in the costumes. <laughs> that would be great. But yeah, at this point, Jack looks, you know, the werewolf, he goes at the Swami. He does start to come at him. And that panel on the last page, there's really good where Jack's, you know, or the werewolf's image is in that circle. And it's him snarling man with his mouth wide open. That looks great. Oh, the caption is great, too. When she tells him to leave and he's like, I wasn't sure what to do. And then the, and then he looked up at me from the sawdust floor and made my decision for me. It's like, oh, <laughs> like if you had stayed down for just another minute, the werewolf might have turned around and left. But you got up too soon. Yeah. And it looks like uh, he, you know, it looks almost to me like he's going to try to put the mental whammy on him here. But. I don't think it uh, can actually, you know, uh, work on him as well as it would, you know, just a regular well, human, right? And I think because he's too enraged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you it know, does say he's, yeah, it doesn't say he's like kind of probing his mind deeper and deeper. And then it says, and the Swami was shocked at what he found. So I don't know what he found inside. It's just this primal rage and urge of wanting to murder, but that's but, enough. Yeah, to, but the uh, animal was good because it's, an, it's not a person. It's an animal. So he's really just going to. He realized that this thing's just going to rip him apart. Mm-hmm. You know? And it and just panics him and he dies, dropping the thing. And I like it, you know, drops the bloodstone. He says, and when I found it was not, was not something I could eat, I loped off into the night. <laughs> yeah, because he thought it was a bean, too. <laughs> He's like, ooh, kidney bean. <laughs> I guess two other types, I have a three-bean salad. <laughs> that's fantastic and that's again and that's exactly what it looks like it doesn't even it's it does look like exactly like a bean <laughs> we're not exaggerating at all it does look like a bean yeah it looks like a giant bean <laughs> so yeah i guess jack's just going to take off and poor lisa is going to be uh struggling to pull chicken man out of the burning tent oh god could you imagine the three of them <laughs> hitchhiking in the next issue Oh, gosh. Yeah, that would be fantastic. <laughs> He's in the chicken costume. She's in the snake costume. And, you know, Jack's there shirtless. Oh, man. Yeah, fantastic. But they I th- I'm pretty sure they do pick up right where they left off with this next one. Like, literally, it's, it shows Jack taking off through the woods and looks back over his shoulder. And there's the, uh, the circus on fire. So, yeah, really, really cool stuff. This was a lot of fun, man. This is a really fun two-parter, right? This was amusing. Yeah. This was very amusing. This was funny. Yeah, really there's funny. A lot of- unintentional humor and a lot of, you know, and some sadness too. Like I said, some of the stuff, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, the Elmo stuff obviously was sad, but it's kind of fun just to watch, you know, even with mystical power and telepathic abilities, it's still like, yeah, we just want money. Yeah. It boiled down to greed basically for Reva at least. Right. (laughs) Yeah. He just wanted that treasure that he was going to find with the, uh, the, the magic bean. So, yeah, really, really fun two issues. You know, nothing too deep, but, uh, you know, obviously, if you're going to pick these up and read through them, you're going to have fun with them. So, yeah, two fun issues. Yeah. So, so looking forward right. to the next one. Yeah, the next one, we're going to, that's, that's going to be a big episode because we are going to cover the next two issues, which is uh, number eight, which has one of my favorite uh, horror covers of all time to it. Uh, I just, oh, I love that one. And then we are going to also cover issue nine. And Marvel team up number 12, because that's where it kind of fits into, uh, I don't know if it's continuity or that's where it just fits into the production time 
But uh, yeah, we're going to cover all three of those next time. So uh, a Spidey, you know, Marvel team up with World by Night and uh, two more crazy issues of uh, the regular series, right? Yep. Oh, poor Spidey in the 70s. He had to deal with so many horror horror things. <laughs> Multiple vampires, living and non living and undead. Mm -hmm. yep. Werewolves, man wolves. Yeah, he always got everything thrown at him. <laughs> so, but All that uh, stuff. Yeah, so all right, man. Well, that's gonna wrap us up for this one here. Um, so uh any uh anywhere anybody can find you out there, obviously your podcast, right? Resurrections. Yep, Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Just type in Adam Warlock or Thanos, whatever uh search box you search you use for your podcast, and yeah, it'll pop up. Mm-hmm. And then you're also on Twitter as well. I, if anybody I, wants to interact with you there. Yep, at Adam Thanos Pod. So yep, talk some comics there. Werewolf comics. That Marvel Cosmic, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you know, run DC the Cosmic. I do all that. I do. I talk about all those things. Yeah, you're even on uh, the Legion uh, Legion, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, on the Legion Substitute Podcasters feed, there's a show about the acronym Legion. Legion Pod Cast. And actually, right now we're starting to cover the second Rebel series from like 2008 by Tony Bedard. Mm, okay. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, everybody get out there and. Give Al a follow on Twitter and then definitely look up these uh, shows that he's on. And uh, yeah, don't uh, don't be uh, surprised. He talks about more than just cosmic stuff, even though that's what everybody probably knows you for. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't... I went from Marvel Cosmic Cosmic to DC Cosmic to now horror. So, yep, there's we're not stretching it a bit now. Yeah, we're not going to pigeonhole you into one thing here. You can talk about whatever you want. <laughs> Come up next, my Archie show. <laughs> And then after that, the spirit by Will Eisner. No, no, no. We're just we're just screwing around. But no, yeah, everybody yeah. definitely uh, get out there and check it out. So, yeah, thanks for being on again. Al. I appreciate this, man. Uh, thank you for having me. This has been fun. All I right. Look, cool. I look forward to these. Yep. Awesome. So, OK, well, I'm going to jump out of here and then uh, come back to wrap things up in a minute. You should come right across through there. The beaters are driving right towards this point. Did you give your son a sleeping pill? Oh, no. But I wanted him to sleep through all this hullabaloo. And I want him cured tonight. In the morning, you'll have conclusive proof it was all in his mind. What did you do? Strapped him to the chair. Turned him to the window so that he could see something of the hunt. I hope you won't be sorry. Dr. Lloyd. Coming. Frightened, are you, Sir John? Frightened of what? Of the night. Rubbish. You startled me. Don't be startled, Sir John. You have the silver cane for protection. Who are you? Hasn't your son told you? Your other gypsy's been filling his mind with this werewolf nonsense. Nonsense, Sir John? Yes. You've been preying on his gullibility with your witch's tales. But you fixed him, didn't you, Sir John? You don't believe the witch's tales, do you? Not for a minute. Then where were you going, Sir John? 
Why aren't you back there at the shooting stand? I was. Were you hurrying back to the castle? Did you have a moment's doubt? Were you hurrying to make sure he's all right? I wanted to be with my son. I was going back. Yes, sir, John. You were going? Hurry, sir, John. Hurry. Swing out to the right there and come through again. White, you and Phillips take charge. I could have sworn I hit him dead on. And I too. Have you forgotten? It takes a silver bullet for a werewolf. Have you seen Larry? Don't go through the woods. Why? Listen, the hunt is on. But, but I want to help him. You'd better come with me. Oh, no. I've got to find him. Come with me or he will find you. Okay, everybody, that wraps up this episode. Once again, I want to thank Al for being on the show. Al's a good guy. Definitely check out his Resurrections, uh, Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. You know, he talks uh, everything Marvel Cosmic there and then a little bit more sometimes as well. So definitely check that out and uh, give him a follow on Twitter as well. Uh, Al's a real good guy. So definitely uh, stay tuned as he and I are going to, you know, knock out a few more uh, issues. And then uh, don't forget about that crossover with uh, Tomb of Dracula coming up with uh, my uh, Tomb of Dracula co-host Scott West. We're going to you know, have all three of us in the room and uh, discuss that really cool crossover that should be coming up in the, the next few episodes. Alright, take care everybody.